0: The following is a presentation of Broadway Church in Vancouver, British Columbia. For additional media, visit BroadwayChurch.com. A guy walks into a veterinarian's office and he sees a dog tidying up around the reception area, stacking the magazines, emptying the garbage cans. And then the dog looks at the man and the dog says, true story, the dog says, oh, the receptionist has just stepped away from her desk. She'll be back in a moment. The guy is stunned. He looks at the dog and he says, you can talk. Does the veterinarian know that you can talk? And the dog says, no, he doesn't know. And please don't tell him because if he finds out I can talk, he's going to start making me answer the phones as well. Now, life would be radically different if your pet could talk, wouldn't it? How radically different would your life be if you discovered that God could talk to you? Well, today, we're concluding a series that we've entitled, God Talk. It's a series designed to equip people in their experience of interacting with God. Now, we're trying to teach people how to raise their voice and how to hear God's voice. We began by learning how to study the Bible. Last week, we learned how to talk to God. And today, we're digging into the fascinating subject of how to hear from God. Now, during last week's teaching on how to talk to God, we learned some foundational truths. First of all, we learned that following Jesus is a spirit-to-spirit relationship. Now, this isn't a new teaching, nor is this teaching particularly controversial. Jesus himself taught this 2,000 years ago. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14. Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. In other words, the Holy Spirit. Now the world can't accept him, because the world neither sees him nor knows him. Ah, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So Jesus is describing a spirit-to-spirit relationship. A spirit-to-spirit relationship that's experienced by every one of his followers, by every person who accepts the forgiveness and eternal life that Jesus offers. Now, you are more than a physical being. You are a composite. You are a spiritual being dwelling within a physical body. So you are a spirit and you live in a body. Your spirit is indwelling, animating, expressing itself through your body. And Jesus promised that when you ask him to to come into your life, the Holy Spirit then dwells with your spirit. So following Jesus is a spirit-to-spirit relationship, which leads us to the second foundational truth when it comes to interacting with God. If following Jesus is a spirit-to-spirit relationship, it only stands to reason that Prayer is an exercise in spirit-to-spirit communication. Now here's where some people get a bit nervous. While everyone agrees that following Jesus is a relationship with God, not everyone is comfortable with the idea that one can actually have a two-way communication with God. Speaking to him and him speaking to us. There are those who teach that After the Bible was completed, God's voice went silent. Such people teach that supernatural expressions from and experiences of God are no longer possible. They teach that reading the Bible is the only form of communication that we have with God. Now, is that what the Bible actually teaches? I don't think so, and I'll show you why. A man named Paul was acknowledged and respected as a leader in the early church. He had met with and then been appointed by the risen Christ. Now look carefully at the supernatural dynamic that Paul describes regarding every single Christ follower. Paul wrote this, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. So Paul begins his description of spirit-to-spirit communication by eliminating our natural physical senses from the process. He says, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no mind, meaning no human brain, he says, has conceived, Paul eliminates all of these as sources of our communication with God. The source of our communication with God is the Spirit of God. He said, these things are things that God has revealed to us by his Spirit. Paul is describing a Spirit-to-Spirit communication. So how exactly does this work? How does God's Spirit reveal things to our spirit? Well, track with me as Paul unpacks the process. For the next few moments, we are going to learn how God talks to us. So Paul begins with a simple, intuitive observation. He begins with the observation that your spirit knows your thoughts. He says the spirit searches all things even the deep things of god for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them now right now as you're watching me think about what you're thinking about okay now when you're thinking about something if there's someone in the room with you right now turn to them and and look at them and don't talk to each other but just look at each other and see by if by just looking at someone You know their exact thoughts. Not what they're generally thinking, but word for word, thought for thought. No, you don't, do you? You can't stare at the back of somebody's head and know what they're thinking. You can't do it. Not word for word, not thought for thought. And that's Paul's point. Paul is saying there is a realm of thought to which only your spirit has access. Your spirit knows your thoughts. He continues with a second observation. He points out that God's spirit knows God's thoughts. He says, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So Paul is saying, just like only your spirit knows your thoughts, only God's spirit knows God's thoughts. Pretty basic observation, not hard to follow his line of thinking here, not controversial. But look at what Paul says next. He says that God's spirit shares God's thoughts with your spirit. Paul writes this, starting in verse 12. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught us by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. And then he concludes at the end of that portion by saying, We have the mind of Christ. Paul said, we have received God's Spirit. Why? So that we can understand what God has freely given us and what is it that God has freely given us according to Paul? Words taught by the Spirit. Paul is teaching that the indwelling Spirit of God somehow enables our spirit to understand what his Spirit is saying. Paul is teaching that the indwelling Spirit of God enables us to understand God-sourced information. In fact, Paul concludes his teaching in this section with an astounding declaration, describing the reality that every Christ follower experiences. Paul said, but we have the mind of Christ. According to the apostle Paul, if you are a follower of Jesus, you actually have, possess the mind of Christ. You have access to the very thoughts of God. Now folks, that is incredible. And Paul isn't going out on some theological limb here. He's simply repeating and repackaging what Jesus himself had promised back in John chapter 16. Look carefully at Jesus' words in John 16, starting at verse 12. Jesus said, now I've got much more to say to you, speaking to his disciples, I've got much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Okay, now we're going to start, we're starting to tread into some deep water here. So before we take another step, let's pause and get our bearings. We're trying to learn what the Bible teaches when it comes to the subject of how to hear from God. Clearly, the most foundational and authoritative voice that we have today is the written word of God, the Bible. That is not disputed. That's not being challenged here. In fact, that's why we began this series by emphasizing the authority and the importance of the Bible as the foundation for every Christ follower. The Bible has veto power over every teaching and over every lifestyle. The Bible is clearly the most authoritative interaction that we have with God. But is the Bible the only interaction that we have with God? Is Christianity essentially nothing more than an elaborate book club where we gather weekly to discuss what uh, what we're reading? Is prayer nothing more than talking to God? Or can prayer actually be a two-way conversation? Can we actually hear from God as well? Well, what have we learned so far? So far, we've learned that following Jesus is a spirit-to-spirit relationship, and prayer is an exercise in spirit-to-spirit communication. God's Spirit shares God's thoughts with our spirit to the degree that it can be said that we have the mind of Christ. Okay, so then this brings us to the question of the day. If God's Spirit shares God's thoughts with my spirit, What exactly do God's thoughts sound like? A few years ago, a group calling itself the Barbie Liberation Front snuck into the Mattel doll factory and switched the recordings of uh, some of the talking Barbies, the voice recordings inside the Barbies. So they replaced Barbie's voice box with the voice box from G.I. Joe. And when unsuspecting children uh, pulled the strings on their brand new talking Barbies, Barbie would say in a deep gravelly voice, dead men tell no lies. And when some kids pulled the strings on their talking G.I. Joe figures, they heard a sweet voice say, I love to shop, don't you? Now we know what Barbie's voice is supposed to sound like. We know what G.I. Joe's voice is supposed to sound like. What is God's voice supposed to sound like? Well, that brings us to the next question on our outlines today. We began with some foundational truths. Now let's turn to some practical truths and some practical insights. If God's spirit shares God's thoughts with my spirit, What exactly do God's thoughts sound like? Now based upon centuries of testimony from saints who have gone before us, and decades of my own personal experience, the answer may surprise you. What do God's thoughts sound like? God's thoughts sound like your thoughts. If you're thinking that you will be able to distinguish God's thoughts from your thoughts simply by how they sound in your mind, think again. God's thoughts sound exactly like your thoughts. As I've described it on your outlines, God's thoughts and your thoughts use the same mental keyboard and the same mental vocal cords. What do I mean when I say God's thoughts use the same mental keyboard and the same mental vocal cords as your thoughts? Think in these terms. Do the letters on the screen of your computer look different when you type than they look when someone else types? No, of course not. You can't tell who is typing merely by how the letters look on the screen. Well, in a similar way, the letters on the screen of your mind would not look any different when God types than they would look when you type. God's thoughts use the same mental keyboard as your thoughts. Or think in these terms. What sound do you hear in your mind when you're thinking? So when you're thinking to yourself, what voice do you hear in your mind when you're thinking? Well, the sound in the ears of your mind when you're hearing God's thoughts will not be any different from the sound you hear in your mind when you think your own thoughts. God's thoughts use the same mental vocal cords, if you will, that your thoughts use. Well, if this is true, then it begs the answer to the next question uh, this morning, or on your outlines. How can I tell the difference between my thoughts and God's thoughts? Well, here are some helpful ways I've tried to uh, provide for you today. First of all, your thoughts are the product of time and effort. Your thoughts are the product of time and effort. Think in these terms. Your thoughts are like a home-cooked meal. A home-cooked meal where you've had to cut up the vegetables and and prepare the meat and and cook and and clean and and, and prepare everything, add the the different spices and so on. It it takes a lot of effort. often takes hours to prepare a really good home-cooked meal. Well, those are like your thoughts. Your thoughts are the product of time and effort. You've thought these things up. You've worked upon them. You've formulated these thoughts. Not so when it comes to God's thoughts. God's thoughts are spontaneous and they arrive fully formed. God's thoughts are spontaneous and they arrive in your mind fully formed. If your thoughts are like a home cooked meal, God's thoughts are like a pizza that's been delivered to your front door. You just open the door and receive the pizza, fully formed, fully cooked. That's like God's thoughts. Your thoughts are the product of time and effort. God's thoughts are spontaneous and they arrive in your mind fully formed. Here's a third tip in distinguishing between your thoughts and God's thoughts. God's thoughts have a a weight to them that is unique. They have a heaviness, a presence to them that is unique, a weight to them. Now, what do I mean by this? It's not an easy thing to describe. It's a sense, it's an intuitive thing. But God's thoughts have an impact upon your consciousness that grabs your attention. A thought comes into your mind, spontaneously, fully formed, and it almost startles you as it drops in out of nowhere and it lands ready-made right in the center of your consciousness. That's what I mean when I say a thought from God has a weight to it. It grabs your attention, and as it does it, It does it in a unique way. I see this dynamic in play every time I read the the first few verses in Acts chapter three, in Acts chapter three. It's the story of Peter's interaction with the lame beggar at the temple in Jerusalem. As you read the story, Peter's coming into the temple as they often did. In fact, and this is important to remember, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, that the disciples continued to meet every day in the temple courts, remember that. The disciples every day would go into the temple courts. And this is one of those days, again, they go into the temple courts and there's a gentleman there, a beggar, and the Bible says that, every day that he would beg from, the, from those going into the temple courts. So every day the beggar's there, and every day the disciples are there. So this isn't the first time that Peter would have at least seen, or perhaps even interacted with this gentleman. Every day the gentleman's begging, every day Peter's there, in these, and they're in the same temple courts. But this one day, it's unique. When you read Acts chapter 3, it's unique. Peter's walking by, And then the Bible says that Peter looked straight at the man. The man was begging for some money or some food, trying to get something from him. And the Bible says that Peter looked straight at them, at the man. And then Peter said, you know, uh, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. They have this interaction where the man is begging for food. Peter, who's walked by this man many times, suddenly, this time, something different happens. Suddenly, in an instant, as Peter looks this man in the eye, their eyes met, Scripture says, and as they look each other in the eye, spontaneously, Peter had a sense, spontaneously, a fully formed thought came into his mind. That thought of, Peter, I want to heal that man. The Holy Spirit said to him, Peter... I'm giving you authority. I'm giving you power right now to release into this man's life. Speak it out, Peter." And so Peter acted on this fully formed, spontaneous thought that came into his mind, and the power of God was released. Peter responded to God's thoughts. How did he hear God's voice? Was it audible? No, there's no no indication in, in this portion of Scripture that there's an audible voice. Peter responded to something inside his own heart and mind, an intuitive response, an intuitive sense that God spontaneously dropped a fully formed thought into his mind and Peter responded to it and acted on it. If God's thoughts sound like my thoughts, how can I tell the difference between my thoughts and God's thoughts? Well, so far we've learned your thoughts are the product of time and effort. God's thoughts are spontaneous and arrive fully formed and God's thoughts have a weight to them that is unique. Here's a fourth practical tip. God's thoughts always conform to God's word. God's thoughts always conform to God's word. The Bible says all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Hear this. God will never spontaneously tell you to do something that he has expressly forbidden in his written word. Hear this, this is crucial. If you hear an inner voice telling you to do something that is forbidden or even discouraged in God's word, you can be certain that you are not hearing from God. Because God's thoughts always conform to God's word. God's thoughts always produce the fruit of the Spirit. God's thoughts always produce the fruit of the Spirit. What do we mean by the fruit of the Spirit? It's a term that the Apostle Paul used to describe the qualities that the indwelling Spirit of God produces in the life of a Christ follower. The Bible says in Galatians 5, well, Paul wrote this in Galatians 5, he said, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which means patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, if you have thoughts that are angry, or lustful, or hateful, or depressing, or fearful, you can know that those thoughts are not from God, because God's thoughts always produce the fruit of the Spirit. Another way you can discern your thoughts from God's thoughts is this. God's thoughts usually bear witness with God's people. I'm going to say that again. God's thoughts usually bear witness with God's people. What do we mean by this? In the book of Acts, Luke records an instance when the early leaders of the church had to make an important decision. After much discussion and thought and I'm sure prayer, those early leaders announced their decision with the following phrase. You see it in Acts chapter 15 verse 28. I would encourage you to turn to it, Acts 15, 28. There they said, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. What an unusual statement. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. I encourage you to circle that word seemed in your Bible. Luke who wrote the book of Acts wrote it in ancient Greek which was the international language of the day and the word translated seemed is the Greek word dokeo it means now get about get this it means to suppose it means to form an opinion it means to make a subjective judgment It seemed good to the Holy Spirit, and it seemed good to them, according to Acts 15. According to the author of the book of Acts, those early church leaders had a sense. It was their opinion, based upon their experience of a subjective judgment, that God was directing them. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit, and it seemed good to us, they wrote. How does this apply to us when it comes to hearing from God? If you were here with us last week, you'll remember an important principle that applies to prayer. We learn that talking to God is an exercise in humility because it is acknowledging God's authority. Well, I would suggest to you that hearing from God is equally an element, involves an element of humility as well. Hear this. You may very well feel as though God has spoken to you, but you can never be 100% absolutely certain. So when you share your subjective judgments, you should always share them with a heart filled with humility. You should always share them with the understanding that it is what you are feeling. It's what you are sensing. It's not necessarily what God is actually saying. Don't be walking around and telling people, thus saith the Lord, God told me to tell you you're supposed to do this. Thus saith the Lord, God told me you're supposed to do that. Many years ago, I had an individual walk up to me after a service and say, Pastor, I just wanted to say goodbye to you. I said, why? And they said, because God spoke to me and told me that you're supposed to go to Africa. I said, well, that's odd, because God spoke to me and told me you're supposed to come with me. Don't you do to others what that person tried to do to me. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe that God still speaks to people today. But let me say it again. When you share your subjective judgments about what you feel God has said to you, you should always share them with a heart filled with humility. You should always share them with the understanding that it's what you are feeling. It's what you are sensing. It's not necessarily what God is saying. In humility, leave room for the possibility that you could be wrong. Oh, by the way, this is the major difference between the Bible and our impressions. God's written word is authoritative. Our subjective impressions are not authoritative. People are obligated to obey God's written word People are not obligated to obey our subjective judgments. Let me also say this when it comes to times when you feel like God has spoken to you. Sometimes you may feel like God is calling you or challenging you to do something that is unusual or maybe risky. In such instances, you would be wise to share your impressions with some select individuals before you act upon them. Now, by select individuals, I mean people who have been walking with you and people who have been walking ahead of you on life's journey. Someone who has been following Christ longer than you have, so they have a knowledge of God's word and experience in God's ways. More often than not, if what you are sensing really is from God, their spirit will bear witness to what you sense God is saying. It will seem good to them just like it seems good to you. The bottom line is this. Just because you think God has spoken to you does not necessarily mean that God has spoken to you. The wise person humbly shares their impressions with other Christ followers because God's thoughts usually bear witness with God's people. Well, let's conclude. At Broadway Church, we operate according to a set of core values. Values that serve as guiding lights and boundary markers along our path. One of those core values is dynamic spirituality. At Broadway Church, we understand that a vibrant relationship with God's spirit is essential for effective living. We believe that God is still active in this world, that God is still active in the lives of his followers, that God still heals, God still empowers, God still directs, and yes, God still speaks. But to whom does God speak? Well, that brings us to today's big idea where we summarize the teaching in one simple statement. Here's today's big idea. God loves to talk to those who love to listen. God loves to talk to those who love to listen. So does that describe you? Are you someone who loves to listen to God? Sometimes my wife needs to remind me that talking to her while my phone is in my hands, I'm looking at it with my earbuds in my ears, that's not a sign that I love to listen to her. What are the signs of someone who loves to listen to God? Well, we've learned you have a spirit-to-spirit relationship with God through the work of Jesus Christ. You regularly pursue a spirit-to-spirit communication with God through reading the Bible and through interacting with his indwelling spirit. If you do that, you will hear from God because God loves to talk to those who love to listen. Will you bow your head with me right now? And let's conclude our time together with a word of prayer together. Would you bow your head? God, we thank you that by your spirit, you are moving in our world. We thank you that even before we knew you as followers, your spirit was pursuing us and was drawing us. You brought us to the knowledge of yourself and i pray for every person listening right now and watching who's not yet a follower of jesus they're listening and watching because your spirit has drawn them even to the site even to this message and right now you are encouraging that person to 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 accept the gift that you're offering them in fact fact if that's you if you're watching right now and you're not yet a follower of jesus pray this prayer with me respond to the spirit of god pray this prayer with me say god I acknowledge my rebellion against you. I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge that I've turned my back on you. I don't want to live that way any longer. So I accept your gift of forgiveness, your gift of salvation, your gift of eternal life. Spirit of God, come and dwell within me. Change me from the inside out, from this moment forward, in Jesus' name. And for those who are already followers of Jesus, pray this with me. Spirit of God, I want to learn from you. I want to learn to hear your voice. I want to be more attentive to your presence and to your thoughts. So as I read your word, teach me your ways. And I I seek to humble my heart and soften my heart in your presence, that I might be more aware of those moments when you spontaneously speak into my spirit. I love to listen to you, God. Speak to me, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for being with us today on this online experience from Broadway Church. We continue to pray with you and for you as we navigate these difficult days of this uh, COVID-19 virus. I pray God's best in your life. Hope you'll join us again next Sunday. God bless you. Thank you for being with us online today.